I hadn't wanted to. I thought that I could maybe pull it off. Um, my it was sort of a combination of my my therapist um, and my academic advisor, sort of gently breaking the news to me that they were both pretty sure I wasn't going to be able to pass my classes, and so they encouraged me to take a leave so that my GPA wouldn't reflect um, sort of the struggles I've been having. That was college student Caitlin Howell. She took a leave of absence from Penn last year, and she's not alone. From the class of 2013, one in 20 undergrads took a leave of absence. I'm Leopold Spongellert. And I'm Sydney Shadell. This is Quite Frankly, a podcast about Penn, its students, and higher education, presented by The Daily Pennsylvanian. Today we're looking at Caitlin's story and also at Catherine DeWitts, another college student who experienced difficulties with her mental health freshman year, which led her to take a year-long leave. These two stories don't represent the range of reasons students take leaves from Penn. Everything from starting businesses, to working on political campaigns, to attending to family emergencies. But their struggles can sometimes feel universal. And it's one thing to ponder taking a leave when it's for an exciting opportunity like a startup, or a black and white decision like when a loved one is sick. It's another matter when you have to decide to take a leave for your own health in the midst of depression or anxiety. We'll hear these two stories and more on today's episode of Quite Frankly. Caitlin took a leave from Penn after a concussion led to difficulties with her grades and brought on issues with her mental health. She didn't really need a whole semester off, but she knew that if she didn't take a leave, her GPA could be irreversibly damaged. Like, I was going through a lot of, like, changes in medication, things like that, and so my grades looked terrible. Um, And they said, rather than have that stay on your transcript and potentially, like, fail out, um, we'll, they gave me the opportunity to say, okay, I'll take a leave of absence. Those grades won't count. They'll be W's. Um, and basically come over, come back in a year and try again. Though the decision was difficult, Caitlin had something that others don't always have, the support of her friends. I mean, I think it was sort of a combination. I had friends who said, like, oh, no, you should stay. But I think mostly... Mostly what I got was my friends who were concerned because, again, like it was, I was having a lot of, of trouble at that time, um, like with undiagnosed mental illness that was like running rampage all over my well-being. And so it was pretty clear to them that like there was something wrong, and so they encouraged me to take a leave. I also happened to have a lot of friends who've also taken leaves of absence. Um, and so they were all telling me, yeah, you should do it, because they already had that experience and knew that it was, like, beneficial to them. Caitlin actually knows a lot of people who have taken leaves. How many people do you think you know that have taken leaves? That have told me? That have told me they've taken leaves? I think maybe six. While Caitlin was at home, she worked at the local Boys and Girls Club teaching art to kids. And that definitely helped. Like, I felt better. My self-confidence improved. Um, and I also took some classes while I was gone. I took, um, I started learning American Sign Language, which I then continued to attend, and I'm now minoring in. After her semester-long leave was up, Caitlin applied to come back to Penn, and she was readmitted. But everything wasn't suddenly better after her leave. 
Caitlin had surgery in the weeks leading up to her return, so she didn't feel 100%. And then her financial woes began when she didn't realize she had to reapply for her scholarships and grants. So I had to reapply all over again, which meant that for, like, the first month or two while I was back, they were billing my family, like, a ridiculous amount of money because there was no financial aid applied to that. And it took a while to, like, retroactively cancel that. Student Financial Services says that they ask everyone to reapply for their aid package, so this was likely a miscommunication, though a very frustrating one. And this was after Kaylin had talked to financial aid right before she left Penn, when they told her that none of her tuition would be reimbursed for the semester if she decided to withdraw from all her courses. Yeah, that I mean, and that's in there. It says it in their leave of absence policy, and that actually kind of made me angry. So I went and looked up the leave of absence policies of a whole bunch of other universities that you can compare it to. Um, and many other schools do it in a way that is sort of scaling. So like you get, if you leave, you know, if you have 70% of the semester left to complete, then you get that like percentage refunded. And it like scales all the way up to like, I think 85 days for most schools seems to be sort of the outward 60 to 80 days tends to be like they're okay after this point, you don't get a refund. Um, 10 gives you, I think, 20-something. The College of Arts and Sciences' official policy is that if you request to leave within the first two weeks of class, you get 100% of your tuition refunded. If you request to leave in the third and fourth weeks of class, you get 50% back. But after that, you get zero. Like Caitlin said, some schools are more generous. Instead of just two cutoff dates, Cornell has eight different windows of time or which a student is eligible for a refund. Even if a student takes leave 69 days into the semester, she could get 20% of her tuition back. Other Ivy League schools, like Harvard and Yale, have leave policies similar to Penn's. Regardless of how similar they are to those of other schools, Penn's policies feel punishing Kaylin. She feels they added more tension with her family, too. My dad flat out told me, um, we're not going to waste money on another semester at Penn if you're going to have to leave during it. Um, so he was telling me, you know, you better be sure that you're going to be able to complete a, another semester because I'm not going to, you know, waste this money on a failed semester again. Um, Does that feel like a lot of pressure? It's definitely a lot of pressure, and it's, and it's very stressful to me and my family. Um, and I, I know that it's stressful to other people, too. I remember hearing somebody say that, you know, she would consider leaving the absence, but she was – like she knew of the financial repercussions and so had to rethink it. Student Financial Services says even though this seems like a hard and fast policy, they do treat every student individually. Here's Director Elaine Barris. Um, what, we are, what we pride ourselves on is that we treat students individually, that we don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole, mm-hmm. um, that we say everybody has to be handled a certain way. Um, there are regulations in terms of how we have to handle certain federal funds, um, and we just, not only do we disclose that, but we also, when students uh, receive their funding, we disclose that. Um, but most importantly, when a student changes their status, we need to understand the full breadth of the situation as well as what's the expected return. But as of now, the official reimbursement policy is still on the website without any reference to exceptions that might be made. 
Here's Caitlin on what she would tell people thinking about taking a leave, knowing how the finances might play out. If you're sure you need to take it, then definitely, by all means, take it as soon as possible if you're before that deadline. If not, I guess just consider that, that's, that there is a financial implication. If that's something that's going to be a problem for you or your family, think about it super hard. Um, but if it's a matter of your health, definitely do it. I think it, I think it's worth it. Catherine, Penn wasn't what she had seen in the pamphlets. You go to the furniture store and they're like, getting ready for college? Get the giant cart and get 50% off because these are going to be the best four years of your life. Mm -hmm. And you keep hearing these messages over and over again. Also in TV shows, nerdy kid goes to college, suddenly becomes popular, <laughs> smart, fantastic, and blossoms, right. right? So as we start to have these expectations, not only from ourselves, from the way that we do college admissions, where we're not only selling the school, but we're selling like the ideal college dream. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly what you expect when you get here, because nothing yeah. can be that perfect, right? A number of things can eat away at the expectations for college that you come to campus with. That life would be perfect once you set foot on an Ivy League campus. For most people, at least for myself, Applying and coming to college is one of the first big decisions you make as a kind of adult. If it starts to feel like a mistake, it can shatter your confidence. I felt like I had a similar experience when I started college at the University of Virginia. I blamed myself for not enjoying college from the get-go. I couldn't find the right group of friends. As a freshman from New York City, I wasn't used to life in the South, and I generally got the sense that I didn't belong. It seemed like I was doing something wrong, failing. In the end, I decided that it wasn't my fault, just that Virginia was not the right fit. So I transferred to Penn for my sophomore year. But Catherine didn't transfer, and things started to get worse. One especially worrying thing for her was how different Penn's academic environment was from that of her high school. The other reality, too, that you start to face is half of our class is going to graduate in the bottom 50% of our class. True. It's just a numbers game. We all are not going to be the top of our grade anymore. So when you start to think of like these different expectations and realities, it doesn't quite match up. In addition to her academic struggles, Catherine experienced homesickness and didn't feel like she could find a group where she belonged. Her physical health suffered. She started having asthma attacks and wound up in the hospital three nights in a row. Things were spiraling for her. It all manifested and festered and turned into depression. I kind of knew something was up um, the weekend of Thanksgiving when I stayed on campus and slept more uh, in one day than I was awake. But I didn't really see a way out of it. My depression got worse and worse and worse. And I didn't realize it wasn't normal to be playing randomly during finals. I thought that was just part of final stress. I didn't realize that it was not healthy. Um, I I went home for winter break, and I got to this point where I was like, I don't want to go back to school and experience what I experienced last semester again. I don't really want to go home because leaving college to me at that point was a failure. And stuck between a rock and a hard place, I started considering suicide. 
and I am a planner, so I planned pretty extensively about how I was going to go about dying by suicide, as well as writing letters and um, thinking about giving away my belongings. Her friends noticed something was wrong, and they intervened. Catherine got treatment in the hospital for a week, and she came back, intending to finish her semester. But another student's suicide at Penn left her shaken. I knew that if I wanted to take care of myself, I'd need more time, more treatment, and just to be away from that toxic environment. Catherine took a leave in February of 2014, and a semester later, she applied to come back, as Caitlin did. But her application wasn't accepted. Janet Ty, the director of the College Advising Office, says this can happen. Usually, advisors try to work with students to help figure out when it's best for them to return to campus. A student goes out, they write why they're, why they're taking their leave, and when they come back, we ask them to request a return in which they tell us, so, um, you know, what did they do while they were out? Um, what are their plans when they come back? Oftentimes, people change their plans of what they thought they were going to do when they're away to something different because they have some experience while they're out. Um, if they think they're going to need any special resources when they come back, if they, you know, whatever it is. So it's much information, and that, that request becomes the basis, again, of conversations where we gather some more information from the student. And say a student goes out on leave because they have some kind of medical condition. Well, we always ask that they, that our partners in student health or counseling ask for the provider who worked with the student while they're out to give a little more information so that we can make sure there's a smooth transition back in and that our, if there's any special resources that need to be in place, we have them in place. So we're consulting with, you know, partners like that. Um, you know, that's, so to say that we're the ones who make the decision, yes, that's true, but it's not without consultation with the student and, you know, with other people who can provide support to the student coming back. So it's a, it's a kind of a, 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 a rich discussion about, okay, is this the right moment to come back? I will tell you that most students come back, um, within a, you know, a year of when they take the leave. In the end, Catherine was glad she took a second semester off. During this time, she moved to D.C. and started working with Active Minds, a mental health advocacy group that has chapters on college campuses across the country. While I was interning there, I found a way to transform this adversity that I had gone through and what I thought was going to be the stain on my career, the stain on my college record, into something positive, into something I, something I could transform and hopefully prevent other people from also having to experience. Catherine continued to work with Active Minds after returning to Penn. Katiara Sorgen, a 2016 college graduate who took a leave while at Penn, also worked with Active Minds when she returned. Here's Katiara talking about what Active Minds does to improve mental health on campus. We apologize for the audio quality. The connection wasn't great. We work on all different, we worked on all different levels, ranging from peer mentoring to, you know, um, student support to working with the administration to working with the entire university's task force. So what we do is we pretty much work on educating students on mental health issues. We work on providing resources, uh, providing any help that you know students can get in order to get access to care. And then we also work with the administration and try to help them understand what will better help the community as well, to help mental health overall. 
When Catherine returned, Penn hadn't changed, but she had. She wanted to change the way that she would spend the rest of her time at school. Coming back, I knew that there were more places to support me and that there were communities that I could potentially belong to. And that's something beforehand I had really struggled with, finding somewhere where I fit in, where I felt like I could find my people and succeed, blossom, flourish. Like Caitlin, Catherine doesn't feel perfect now that she's back at Penn. She has to consciously find time for herself. Here she is, one more time, talking about her life at Penn after the leave. I still tend to try to do too much in my schedule, and I want to do all the things, just like the freshmen do. Um, I'm not a perfect role model. No one is, and I think that there's a lot of talk about how recovery seems to be linear, like, oh, you took a leave, you had problems before, and now you're better. Like, it's not still an issue. I still struggle with depression sometimes, and that's something that I will face for a very long time. There are people who have episodic periods, and for me, I had a really bad episode. But it's more that I got the strategies that I've implemented somewhat effectively mm -hmm. to my life at Penn. Yeah. Executive Director for Education and Academic Planning in the Provost's Office, Rob Nelson, thinks leaves of absence are important and said Penn's administration is taking steps to change language on Penn's website and forms to help lessen the stigma around taking a break. I mean, I think it's really important that, that Penn students understand that leaves um, uh, uh, are almost always a, a way to success and not um, an impediment to success. And so uh, understanding that, that taking a break, uh, taking a leave, um, uh, for, for most students who choose to do that is actually a pathway to graduation. Dr. Tai of the advising office who we talked to earlier also works to make leaves of absence normal to talk about during appointments. I think sometimes people are reluctant. They don't, you know, they never thought that they'd do that in their career. It seems unusual. They they think nobody does it, and I and we can certainly help them understand that. You know, a lot of people do it. Uh, most people that do it come back and finish their degree, and they're you know what I mean. They move forward quite quite well from the point that they stop out and take advantage of an opportunity or solve a problem. It's when you you keep spinning your wheels and not successfully dealing with something that you have a much greater chance of damaging your your dreams. She says that students might have anxiety if they think that everyone else is thriving and not dealing with any problems. I also find many students believe that all of their fellow students are getting better grades than they are, which I happen to know to not be true. Uh, you know, I, yeah. it, there, there is that Penn Face thing that we've all been talking about where it, it is believed that everyone else is very successful and multitasking all the time and doesn't need any sleep and all of it. You know, if we start to let go of that and start looking around and seeing each other as human beings who, yep, we all got our different struggles and there really are still only 24 hours in a day and finding a good way to balance life is a really major accomplishment. The 
This episode was produced by Joyce Varma and edited and hosted by Leopold Spohn-Gellert and me, Sydney Shadell. Our music was composed by Andrew Ellis and, quite frankly, is presented by The Daily Pennsylvanian. If you're interested in joining our team or just want to shoot us a comment, email us at podcasts at thedp.com. Thanks for joining us today and look out for our next episode in two weeks.